Right. Okay. Hello, my name is Yana Kalu, and I will be having a conversation with Nala Simone for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans identifying people. It is June 9th, 2017, and this is be being recorded at CLAG's Center for LGBT Studies at the CUNY Graduate Center in New York City. Thanks so much, Nala. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so if we could just uh, start a little bit, um, tell me where you were born and when you were born. Mm -hmm. So, born uh, November 1st, 1990, if everyone knows, that's like All Saints Day, the day after Halloween, so I guess I, I will say I'm blessed with one of the best birthdays. <laughs> um, born in Kings County of New York, um, BK, <laughs> shout out to BK, <laughs> and um, with my, my family's from the Caribbean, so I always like to uplift, although I was born in Brooklyn, my values and my car's Caribbean descent. So I'm first generation American. So I always like to uplift that because that means a lot, you know, to be first generation American for my family, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, what are your gender pronouns? She, her, sometimes they. Um, and how would you describe your gender to me? Oh, how would I describe my gender? My gender, I always like to refer to myself as a woman of trans experience, um, owning my womanhood and owning the experience and the journey, you know, of what it means to be trans. You know, oftentimes it's a conversation about what womanhood is. Um, so in mind, it's, it's, it's of transitioning, right, and accepting who I am as a woman and how, how I want to be in the world and contribute you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so do you still live in brooklyn now uh, yes. I'm a, I'm a born and raised brooklyn girl i, I don't know there's something about bk can't you know you just don't yeah i've thought about living other places but bk is my my thing yeah my um and what what neighborhood do you live in um, Bushwick, 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 Bushwick. <laughs> how is that? How has that changed over the years? Oh, many different ways. Oh, thanks for asking that. That's a great question. Uh, it's changed a lot. Um, changed a lot to the point that even though I said I still live in Bushwick, I had to move out. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm just not gonna name it. <laughs> I want no one fighting me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to joke. So like, what, is you know, what is your address? What is your address? And the apartment yeah. number? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so I, I named Bushwick because I remember Bushwick just being Bushwick to the point where I remember like there was a thing for folks who live in Bushwick and know Bushwick, this called the dark side or the light side. So I used to live on the dark side. And I used to think back when I was younger, like, what the heck does dark side, light side? So like, does dark side mean bad to that one? I used to go home, I used to be scared. It just basically meant that my side got darker <laughs> quicker than the light side. So it wasn't about it wasn't like a about, racial divide. That's or like, what I thought. <laughs> Please, no. Bushwick, growing up, I remember primarily around like because my again my family was from the Caribbean, so on my block it was mixed with um, practicing Islamics. Um, it was very yeah, it was very cultural. Folks from down south and 
folks who identify as Latinx or Hispanic. Yeah, so I always look for in the summers when, especially when they get the Cuban drummings going. My neighbors were from Mexico, so you know, oftentimes they would invite us over when there was a party, and I would just learn about their hi- history and how it correlates to the Caribbean history. History, so it's really good. About that. Um, what what do you do? You miss anything about the way that it used to be? About like your neighbors growing up, or? Or is there anything you really like about it now? I must uplift gentrification. Um, not as an uplifting thing, but more as a, it's a concern because it has shifted. What I will say, what it has brought is access to resource and safety or, and, and building new establishment. But what I notice is pushing out of blacks and browns, and that concerns me very much. Um, because when you push folks out, where are you going to put them, Right. So, you know, now you have rent that's like a thousand. But what I do miss about growing up in Bushwick, and I, th- I think it's just the innocence of playing as a kid, where, you know, the question about gender and stuff is not a thing. It's just like, let's play hide and go seek and tag. Like, where, like, that that's all you worry about as a kid, you know? That's what I would say I miss about Bushwick. I also, as, a, as growing up and starting to you know, unpeel the mask of what society wanted me to be. I love seeing, um, you know, folks will call the L line the hipster line, you know, because you'll see all this variety of culture, styles, dressing, artsy, fartsy kind of way of being. And I love that. It was inspirational for me. It was, it was um, motivational also, like, to, like, step into my truth, you know, so I do miss that about Bushwick was like owning myself like I remember walking through like because to get to the L train if anyone knows Wilson Avenue uh there's a part where it gets sketchy folks call it sketchy but I'm from the hood so I'm like it's not sketchy that's just people right but people like oh my god you know there's a part before you get to the train station I'm like that's the hood what do you mean but um I do remember that part as one of my fears was like I have to walk through these group of people who I don't know why I was so scared of them but they were just people experiencing the world and experiencing me as I was experiencing them and my uniqueness and my difference, right? And, and you know, culturally, we've been conditioned to view things that are other from the norm a certain way. So I would always grapple with, like, how do I navigate to be safe um, and understand that my safety is tied to someone's lack of nuance, right? And... Uh, their lack of understanding, their lack of fear, their lack of experience, right? So it was tied to a lot of that. So I don't miss the fear feeling part, but what I do miss is the culture of it. I remember the ICs. I remember the trees. I remember the church that I used to go to over there, the school, um, my teachers, and, and actually teachers that I still are, am connected to now in my nowness and my meanness. <laughs> You know, like, uh, teachers who, like, affirmed me and uplift me. And even if they didn't knew, they, they try to step in as much as they want. Because, you know, growing up in a school um, predominantly um, of color, uh, we also didn't have resources and text and language. You know, those were pieces that were still lacking, I would say. Um, for example, like, in schools, we didn't talk about gender. You know, they already assumed by the way your mom put on a certain color on your, in your back that that's what you did. You know, that's who you would be identified as. So, 
you know, like he and you got to wear this, boys do this, da 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 da. And I was like, no, that's not how I feel. So as a person experiencing life and already having this feminine way of being and being in a hyper masculine environment, you know, and, and noticing at such a young age, automatically folks would just identify me. You know, like, I remember going through, like, uh, school, and they would just... I didn't even know at a young age what gay was. I was, like, I, I remember being in, I think it was second grade or third grade. Yeah. And I was doing a test, and this guy was like, you know you're gay, right? You're a faggot. Like, literally just saying that. Excuse the, the trigger warning. I'm sorry I should have gave that. But remember saying that, and I didn't even know what that was, because... Here, I'm like, my mom is, like, Caribbean. Like, what is that? You know, she didn't teach me that at all. So, I'm like, I was like, do you know what that is? I'm like, yeah, it means, I guess, gay means when you like another gender <laughs> or sex. Because that's all I could co- connect to. But the F word, the, you know, I was like, what is that? So, at a young age, I felt like society had identified me. And I, and I experienced that through Bushwick, right? Because that's where I, I grew up in. So... Bushwick has um, allowed me to get a tough skin, uh, allowed me to love myself deeper, love myself in a way that I get to have understanding, a voice of reasoning, and not tolerate bush- bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so, those are things that I miss. Yeah, uh, thanks for sharing that, yeah. that view of not only how your neighborhood used to be, but also the mm-hmm. way that how how gentrification has also affected you in ways that have been like both yeah positive and negative I suppose. positive and negative mm-hmm. yeah especially yeah definitely I resonate with it yeah. I, I always say that if there was a way for us to like connect with and thinking of Bushwick a way for us to Brooklyn and Bushwick needed to be upbuilt and have resources but you know I think about it folks are you know you know, not maintaining or working. There's taxes that doesn't go into that, right? So gentrification has allowed, I guess, that area to get taxes, but also the government wasn't supporting people of color, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I always say, like, there there has to be a better way for us to create a system for black and brown folks who are actually thriving and working who still cannot maintain. I mean, like, it's a, it's a common thing. The hustle is, like, just happening... Not even just with just blacks and brown, but like across the board, like folks who, especially in the LGBT or queer, I mean, are scraping crumbs like literally to to maintain. But we still find ways to endure life. Like I see like queer folks finding parties that are free and like connecting, and I love that that we get to connect with one another and just vent about things that are going on. But the reality is that we're 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 surviving, mm-hmm. like for real for real Mm -hmm. so I don't I can't imagine what it looks like now as a black woman of trans experience and Caribbean descent uh, thriving right now in my nowness and having someone who doesn't have that experience to like not be able to work and yeah like because we know like the population now when we think about trans it's like poverty rate is high and we're in President 45 I will not say that president's name on my tape and my history uh <laughs> you know who who is creating these spaces to oppress folks already and they always often say that the most marginalized folks get crushed the most so on that i always think about 
Islamic. I always think about indigenous and I always think about LGBT folks and specifically trans folks of color. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the, my concerns are that. And now I just went on a tangent. Sorry, let's, let's go back. <laughs> oh my God. So what you talk about. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, it's like the experience of like talking about one's whole life is like. Yeah, is, I was like, what like, are you talking about my life? I can go on and on. I'm wondering if you could tell me um, what your parents were like growing up. Oh, my parents, hmm, growing up. So, whew, let me, like, try to flashback. Hmm. My mom comes to mind. I'm going to start with my mom first. My mom, loving, sweet. Oh, my, my mom was like a rose, like, growing up as I was younger. She had, like, such a nurturing way of being. But she also knew how to be disciplined. And if anyone knows about Caribbean folks, they know when they want, when they say do this, they mean do this and nothing else. <laughs> so growing up, one of the things that I noticed about my mom is that she was a single parent and she was working it out. And at the time, my older brother and um, taking care of my older brother and stuff. So she just made it happen. And apparently I didn't even connect that my mom wasn't working, like was trying to make ends meet. Um, like if she had to babysit, but she was trying to make it work by also staying home and making sure that like, listen, I, the place is clean. Um, if I came home, she was always there to help me with homework. She tried to make it work because she understood that education was important. So at a young age, I understand that education was my foundation. She wanted me to understand, you know, history. She wanted me to be able to write algebraly. Like she understood that. Um, so she didn't, she didn't cut me any slack. So, so she's like, if I, like, one of the things that about me was that I used to talk a lot in class. Child, what? A conversation when I felt like I was a news anchor when I was younger, but I will always get in trouble because of that. It's like, you know, your child does so great in school, but what a way your child can talk. Like, your child can talk, talk, talk. I have to put your child in the corner because you talk so much. I'm like, why there was so much to talk about? I didn't see my friend for so long. What do you mean? <laughs> but my mom, yeah, when I think of my mom, I think about, like, her food. Oh, Jamaican food is such amazing. And my mom doesn't have any uh, gallbladder. So one of the things that she did was try to take the traditional um, ways of cooking from the Caribbean and make it like holistic and healthier. Like not that Jamaican food is not healthy, but what she did was like take out some of the flour and put gluten-free stuff. So it would be able to process, add a little bit of rosemary with some Jamaican spices and then just created a whole new thing. My very favorite thing of my mom. Oh, there's so many macaroni and cheese. Uh, uh, black cake or let's say wedding cake or fruit cake and last but not like I love pumpkin pie for my mom and some fried chicken child cheese what? <laughs> did she teach you how to cook it all? Uh, she tried she tried but I'm just a stubborn person because like I just feel like be learning how to cook I don't know why I associate my mom cooking as something that she was doing to do for a man I don't know why but at a young age I was like I don't want because I connected with my femininity keep in mind I was like no I'm not trying to cook for no man no I'm not trying to learn I'm not trying to learn and like (laughs) for now still now I'm like still don't want to learn how to cook because I thought it was to learn how to cater to someone else but the reality is to cater to yourself and survive. So now I'm like, Mom, can you try to show me? She's like, no, I tried to show you already. <laughs> She's like, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm like, no, Lord. Um, 
And then I will say this in being full, transparent, and um, honest in terms of my mom and uh, our relationship. You know, we've had ups and downs. You know, I always, when I talk about the good, I talk about the bad because it's important in understanding as people where we are. You know, there were times where it wasn't down because good because I was going through this change of finding out who I was. So, you know, my views were different and my behavior shifted because I wanted to find a space where I could be. And for me, home wasn't it. Um, school wasn't it. So what I started doing, I started hanging out with this girl who was like bisexual is what she called herself. I remember in junior high school. Um, I won't name her name for the sake of privacy. But I started chilling with her and then her mom was just so dope and cool and like, like aloof. Like nonchalant is what we used to call it. Nonchalant. She's nonchalant um, about life. Uh, so I used to go spend time at her house, mind you, me not being responsible, wouldn't call my mom, because I, what responsibility, who knew about responsibility at my age, right? <laughs> I wouldn't call my mom, and my mom would call me, like, or try to reach me and f- figure out where I am, then I would call her, like, when I already spend the night over, like, hey, mom, by the way, I spent my, you know, some time with so-and-so, and so. Ask for forgiveness, I ask for permission. For- yeah! <laughs> uh, she, she used to say, if you don't bring your ass home and come home now before me beat you. I, I still, when I still got home, she beat me. <laughs> like, so it was no, no changing that. But um, in, in spending time with my friend during that time in, in the 2000s, and oh my God, I'm, well, you all know my age. Um, I think I was like 13 or two, yeah, 13 around that time. 13 is when I felt like I was stepping into... Um, what I like, well, I always knew I was attracted to guys, but, um, like figuring out, you know, like how do I approach actually getting to know a guy and stuff like that. But it was through her because she was so open and free about who she was. Um, I spent time with just conversing with her and, and sharing space with her. Although now when I look back, I'm like, some of the times was like not a healthy relationship, um, yeah, you know, you don't learn those stuff until you get older. But what I did remember was being in a space her mom would cook for me and we would talk with her mom because I was like, I want to be able to have that same relationship with my mom about how I was identifying and being told I was at the time. Um, yeah, like sometimes I would come home to 2 a.m. in the morning and my mom would be like, you know, you're stressing me out. One time they locked the door, they stole my keys. Like, I couldn't find my keys. I'm like, why can I, can I find my keys? But I was certain that I was going to go out that night because at the time I had developed or learned what West 4th was. At what's 13th, I'm like, I know what West 4th is. Christopher Street? Oh my God. I remember leaving the house 9 o'clock and not coming home the next day just because I was at West 4th trying to just experience life and learning, learned about what Vogue was very quickly and all that stuff. It was amazing. It was just like, wow, where was this place this whole time? Um, and quickly I know, like, you know, what's pretty was, was in a cookie jar is not always so gold, right, as they say. Um, yeah, wow, these are good questions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sabrina, oh, uh, yeah, so my friend at the time definitely, um, allowed me to just be when I got home my, my mom was like very stressed I didn't realize how affecting as a parent um it was you know uh so at the time she called my dad and this is how I'm going to transition into talking about my dad she called my dad who hadn't been in my life for a very long time I'm thinking so when I was younger I used 
used to be around, but then there was a situation happened that um, my dad kind of put his hands on me, like um, physically that stirred me, like that I didn't feel safe around my dad anymore. Um, so I told my mom, I was like, I don't want to ever go back, you know? Because um, I remember when I was younger. And they were split up at that point. Yeah, they was, by the time I was born, they were split up. You know, my dad had another child that my mom didn't know about until I was five years old. So she was like, oh my God, how could you? That kind of thing. So when I would spend time with my dad in Jersey, because that's, that's what I also call my growing up grounds. Um, you know, I would meet, spend time with my brother at the time, um, which was great. Uh, and there, there was an incident that happened right um that you know you know it can it can seem like from my now knowing abuse but careering fathers or whatever wouldn't see that it would consider as discipline i was disciplining you you know that kind of thing but it wasn't you know there's a there's a line that you don't cross so for me i didn't feel safe um and you know coming back home after the incident my mom was you know in her just trying to get everything done, didn't notice. And then the next day, she was like, what happened to your face? And, like, she was like, oh, my God. Um, and, you know, calling my mom, my father, she was like, you can't put your hands on your child like this. And after that, I remember being seven. And then I remember from my middle school graduation, I think, was it 13? After I graduated, going into high school or before that? I remember he came to one graduation, and then after that, I didn't see him, didn't talk to him until when I was, like, staying out late, high school. And that's because my mom called. She was like, your son, at the time, is um, giving me problems. And, that's, and he got on the phone, and he was like... You know, you're giving your blasted, your, your mom blasted problem. Your mommy don't come up there and F you up and all of that stuff if you don't start behaving. Keep in mind, I'm getting straight A's, B's. Like, my grades were not a problem. It was more so, like, I guess the discipline stuff. Like staying out. Right, we're staying out, trying to, on the pairs, you know, taking in the water. I'm a water sign, so, you know, I love water. Uh-huh. So taking in the water, vibing with folks, you know, trying to figure out who I was. Um, but I didn't know how to communicate that because, again, there weren't any language in school to, like, talk about who I was. Uh, so, you know, my dad started cursing. I was like, don't curse on me. I was like, and I just got off the phone. I was like, no, I'm not tolerating this. You, you wasn't even in my life. I remember staying up waiting for my dad, you know, to pick me up because he said he would. And your word is your bond. And he just wouldn't come through. Wouldn't even call and say, hey, I couldn't make it. None of that. Yeah. So. Um, my experience and my remembering is that when my dad was around, I do remember joy. I do remember certain pieces that were joy and laughter. But I do also connect with the void. I connect with not knowing how. How was a man that's supposed to love me just as a person now, right? For folks who identify as male, you know, like, uh, and I see how that rotation shows them in, in my dating life, you know, like, you know, because I don't know, like, you know how when they say you have both parents in your life, you kind of figure out, you know, um, what you're attracted to and how you should be treated and stuff like that. So, you know, in dating, you know, I've had to learn what I don't like and do like in a very not so joyous way so to speak I would say that I've, I've you know promiscuous short for me in a at a very young age because I think I was trying to figure out 
how to be loved from a, a man and it didn't come the right way so to speak <laughs> so yeah like our life's work uh-huh how to be loved and how to love other people exactly <laughs> so like when I do find a guy who is willing ready and open to lean into to loving me I'm just so scared because what I connect to is void um, retreating and so I'm always fearful of a guy doing that. I'm always fearful of being vulnerable with a guy because I'm just like, are you actually ready, although you say you're ready? Or are you seeing me as this fantasy or this fetishization kind of moment for you? And that's not what I want. I don't want that. I want to really connect. You know, I want to be in a loving, joyous, spontaneous, crazy, fun relationship, you know? And, and like I connect to like even like struggling with my brother and struggling with my uncles. Like I see in ways they show up for my girl cousins, right? That like I know comparison leads to failure, but sometimes I'm like, why didn't I get that piece? You know? Uh so I always have to process and and sh- redo self care and say, you know what, it is what it is and you know, really connect to the people who are around me showing me love now. So that's the piece. But yeah, my dad, you know, mom being Jamaican, dad being Trinidadian, you know, I've experienced, you know, what avoidance is like from a male and what love looks like from a a woman, you know, uh, and a mother and nurturer. I will say this, though, when transitioning, there definitely was a shift. Um, You know, I came out twice, I like to say. (laughs) 17, I remember watching uh, one of my high school and at the time she was uh, she considered herself bisexual I'm going to remind myself not to say names um, she was a pageant beautiful this girl this is the same friend we were talking about no this is that, so the first friend I was talking about was middle school 13 oh, gotcha. and then I went to high school and I only got worse into staring at I was like oh, I, at 13 I know where the village is and now like literally I found out the village 13 July, I know the dates. I was 13 years old, and it was uh, the week of, before I started school, uh, before, the week before Labor Day. And I, someone drove me to the village, and I was like, where is this place? Wait, there, there are people like me? What is this? Uh, and then I got lost in December when I started ninth grade trying to find it myself because at the time, you know, my mom wasn't connecting because that's when I wanted to just stay out and just be... Because I was, like, trying to find. So I took the L train of 14th Street and got lost and couldn't find the village. And somebody even guided me and we didn't find it. Me and my other friend. But I digress. I was talking about 17 years old. And that friend. Yeah. A friend from high school. She just knew. The first day, she just knew. She just looked at me. She said, "Mm mm-hmm. I was like, what is that supposed to be? They was like, you're gay. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, it's just like saying that, no, I'm not, I'm not gay. And the reality was I wasn't gay because I was like, I just I just was experiencing like from a, a gender, like my eyes and my lens and how I felt wasn't connecting. So like everyone was telling me who I was. Everyone was like, you're a guy, you wear this. And then once, I, t- I kid you not, my senior year of high school, it was like a, a 360. It was like, tighter jeans beating the face it was like happened it was like we told you were gay I'm like no I'm not (laughs) that's not it that's not it but then I'm like I guess I'm gay because if everyone's saying it then I guess I'm gay um 
But I remember looking at her photos and then watching videos on YouTube because YouTube was like a thing at the time, like 2007, seven, eight. And I'm watching videos of ballroom scene um, scenarios and female personation, drag queens performance. And I'm just like, my mom is in the kitchen, mind you. She's um, cooking cleaning meat and cooking with a knife so if anyone knows a Korean person you don't tell them anything like a crazy new while they got something in their hands you know it just might just start flying around <laughs> so I was like all right I'm gonna do it now I'm gonna tell her it's like so mom I got something to tell you and at the time my cousin was at the house and she's like what so I kind of had told my cousin she was younger she's like my baby says but I just love her like I, I don't know something about her was just I just trust her like you know she was like a sister to me that I always wanted um I pulled out of my room and I said, I gotta tell you something. So I don't know how to tell you this, but um, you know how you always ask me if I got a girlfriend and stuff like that? And yes, I had a girlfriend, but the reason why things don't work out is because of I'm gay. She said, Really? It's like, Yeah. I was like, You're quiet about it. So how do you feel? She goes, Well, you know, you only got one life to live, you know? She just said, Like that. She was like, You know, I would prefer you to be straight, but it's not about what I want. You know, it's about who you are and what you want to be. So, being gay is what you want. Just just be safe. That's what she said. Just be safe. Um, and I was like, okay, that's it? I was feeling weird. I was like, why is this so easy? Why is that? What? What? Are you not going to kick me out the house? I was like, please don't be mad. Like I'm like trying to figure out. And it felt good because after a while, she was like, so that's what you've been holding from me so long? I knew that there was something. And I'm, I'm pretty sure she went in her room and cried that night. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So that was my 17-year-old about to graduate high school. It felt so good. And I was like, and, and also I was able to tell my mom, because like, my brother, he was singing these homophobic Jamaican songs. I'm like, please, this is why I do not like him to sing it because it affects me. And then she got it, and then she would ask my brother. But I felt like my brother already knew, and he would still do it anyway. Neither here or there. Um, then I went to college. So now we're stepping into another journey. Or do you mind t talking about, well, since your brother's coming up a little bit, since you've talked about mm -hmm. a little bit about your mom and a little bit about your yeah. father. Um, and so you have an older brother, and then you, was this was this also the sibling that you didn't know you had until you were no. five? And that so there's also another. So and my I don't know mom's if, side is it's two of us, and on my dad's side, I'm pretty sure there's more, but I'm gonna give the number that I know is two. Um, and you know we were born around the same year, but just different times. So my brother was September, and I November. But on my mom's side, my, so you're about the same age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on my mom's side, my brother was seven years older than me. So he experienced life differently. His level of connection was different. And me, I'm just trying to figure it out. I will say this. My mom always tell me, and she always remind me, you know, one thing about your brother that when I was, when she had got sick, like emotionally just sick and drained and just other mental and other stuff that was showing up around life, my brother stepped in and would take care of me. Um, epilepsy is something that my mom also deals with so like my brother like would change my diaper at a young age and had to see my mom go through sex so she always remind me of you know that my brother has been through a lot and to like kind of like just kind of understand where he's coming from so I, I tried my best trying to give space but I also like understood like respect was important for me as a being you know it wasn't just to take any old kind of 
behavior. So I, I, I just, if, again, like, same way how I view my dad, I didn't view, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel wanted or loved around him. So I just kind of distanced myself. I didn't connect to that male aspect because they wanted me to be, be a man kind of thing. And I was like, that's not what, that's not how I feel. That's not how I want to connect to. Like, it's just not, it's not flowing in me. Like, give me a Barbie doll, give me a Ken doll, and I'll be fine. <laughs> just, you know, give me some makeup that I can do someone's makeup or hair. Like, yeah, that's why I can't. But my, my brother and I relationship, I, I call it a roller coaster of folks on different wavelengths and experiencing life differently and dealing with childhood trauma and not knowing that we were dealing with childhood trauma and trying to figure out how to show up as kids who are raised from a single parent who is doing their best and a single parent who is experiencing mental illness like I don't say my my mom is mentally ill because it's an experience of her you know not putting labels but an experience that she you know she's living with right so we were, you know, I noticed that that was something that we were both experiencing, but through different lenses. And because we was experiencing different, we didn't connect as much. And then at one point we did, and then it just fell off again. Just, just not out of male intent, but just more, just, it just fell off. Because I'm like, you know what, there are certain things that I want in my space, and you know, there's certain ways that he views life, and that was it. Mm. Yeah, so. Do I yawn for that uh, connection? Um, I yawn for a connection that is loving and transparent and forgiving. But yeah, mm-hmm. we'll get there. You story. never got that. You never got that little sister or older sister. I never got that little <laughs> sister. But you know what? What's funny is that it shows up in different ways in my in my community now. It's like when when my when my fellow trans sisters say, "Hey, sis." And they're younger than me, I, you know, or when I see youth trans baby coming up and I'm like, ah, oh, and they come to me like, what should I do? I'm dating someone. I'm like, oh, I feel like a big sister. And at the same time, learning from my older sisters, because I always wanted a sister that was present um, in my life. Um, and now I have that through my trans sisters. And now I'm regaining that through my father's side because I've reconnected with some folks from my father's side um, in my authentic truth. Right unapologetically yeah yeah (laughs) um what um can you tell me maybe like like um who uh who is the most important person in your life now or people The most important person in my life I will I need to say is myself I one of the things that I've struggled with is often pushing forward other folks or putting centering my feelings around other folks what, how other people feel how other people think what if I do this how are they going to feel this and I was like wait what about me you know it was one point where I'm like I feel like I wasn't even living for myself I was living for others so like now in this journey and keep in mind this, this, this trans journey and this truth of mine that I'm living is been about six years seven years so i'm like i'm still experiencing me so the most important person in my life is me even in my mistakes um even in my values and my growth a possibility models that i look up to i would say is you know laverne cox i love 
uh, Janet Mock. I love Gina. I love Miss Major. I love Aaron Lang. I mean, I can name some rock lords. Ashley Hunter. I mean, I can name so many powerful folks just doing just amazing works that are, you know, affirms me in a way that makes me sometimes like, ah, oh, if I had to take a day off, I know someone else is stepping in, but you know, I don't get a day off in this work, right? <laughs> but yeah, one of the most important people, a person, I would say, is myself. Um, yeah. Good answer. <laughs> um, you were about to tell, you were going to start when we started talking about your brother, you were going to start telling me, and then you moved from high school into college, and that there was another ah! coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Another coming out. The Another coming out. Um, so I remember the first day of college. Um, this is 2008 in August. Uh, I have a good memory. Uh-huh. I, oh, so one of the things that my mom always harped on is that she was like, we got photographic memory. So I can close my eyes and remember this whole moment. I can remember what picture, what colors are in the room. I can remember that. So I can, like, literally close my eyes and think of the time. It was, like, August 2008. It was hot. I went to the sewing lab on the... What's it, the fourth floor? In the C building. Ah, yep, C building, right between the passing of the D building. Anyway. What school? Uh, FIT, Fashion Design Institute. Yes, she was a... She went to fashion design school, um, and I went there, and this was this young lady helping me who was like a student worker, you know, because, you know, you can get student work aid or something like that to support for school. So she was helping me, and, you know, I was just like, my at the, at the time, my best friends came with me, um, and I was like, why don't you ask if they have kits that they were giving away, and I asked, and she was, because at the time, I could not afford shit. I just wanted to be clear. Like, supporting for college, it was like, when I just graduated high school where everything was kind of free, and I just had to pay for prom and all this stuff. By the way, I run prom, you know, crown, just put it like that. I uh, just got to name that. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, you should win prom queen. And my best friend was like, and would have rocked it any other way. I was like, yeah, better go ahead and affirm me. <laughs> um, but, um... Yeah, I'm, I met basically this... Why I'm saying this story about this sewing room because in walked a wonderful, beautiful woman. And I just could not stop staring at her. And I... The, 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 you know, she was bonding with the woman who was, you know, or the young lady who was helping me get the kid. And she turned around. She was like, girl, why you keep staring at me? Like, real country. Like, girl, why you use my face? I'm like, I'm sorry. You're just so pretty. She's like, oh, am I? I was like, yeah. And I was talking about, yeah. Uh, and she was like six foot something. She's gorgeous. I mean, body like everything. Um, and then one day she was like, I'm tr she was trans. I was like, wait, what? Wait, really? And then in that moment, it was like, whoa, it is possible. It was like a huh, because from my from from my view, all I knew of trans women was, was she generous. another student. Yes. Yeah. She was like a, a semester, a couple of semesters I had like close to graduating, um, 
but in my knowing, all I knew of trans women was Jerry Springer. I was like, that's not what I want to be. So, like, my mom was like, do you want to be a girl? I'm like, nope, that's not who I want to be. Not no Jerry Springer. Because that's all I could think of. And my mom asked me when I said I was gay. Like, she was like, did you want to be a girl? Like, she asked that. But I was like, no. Because what I thought at the time was Jerry Springer, like, you know, how they portrayed women. It's like, no, I want to be educated. I want to be an educated person. Like, I was connecting things to, like, the wrongness. Like, it was just, it was complicated. It was like... I don't know. It's, it's just weird that I reflect now that when my mom asked me if I wanted to be a girl, I said no, and all I thought was Jerry Springer, right? Because that's all, like, all I knew of a trans woman was to be on Jerry Springer saying that, you know, she had sex with somebody else's partner. I was like, that's not how I wanted to portray it. So I was like, no, that's not what I want. Um, but anyway, beautiful being. Um, she would teach me how to sew. I would spend most of my time with her. She was from Alabama. I spent most of my time with her in class. And she would really help me because I was struggling. Because fashion design, although I wanted to be a designer, I was clear that I did not know how to sew or sketch. I don't know how I got into school, but I did. I sent a portfolio that I thought was great until I met, like, all the other fucking students. I'm like, God damn. I was like, I need some catching up to do. Um, and she helped. She really did. And we would spend time. And at the time... You know, I used to dance, you know, through my years of high school and was in a West African dance company. Um, and I love marching band because my high school had a marching band. So she was from Alabama and she knew about majorettes and Jay setting and stuff. So at, at 2 a.m. in the morning when we we're still at the school and we wanted a break, we would just do a count like in the hallway. <laughs> and she would act like the, the lead majorette because we had that connection. You know, I remember most of my. Uh, associate year of FIT sleeping in the D lounge, fourth lounge. And any FIT student knows this lounge because fashion design students do not sleep. Uh, so folks who know, you know, but there are other students who does, but folks who know, like that lounge, you will mostly find primarily folks of color, like who didn't dorm in that lounge trying to get their work done. And I'm telling you, we eat, sleep, finish our work, wake up, go get breakfast. Like, we had a routine, go to class, and then meet back right in that lounge. I literally had my clothes for the week packed in my locker with my school supplies and everything because it was a deep, big locker, and then we shower in the locker room and then come up and, like, start the day. Like, that's how it was. But I also didn't want to be home because, like, while my mother was, ex you know, ex experiencing, you know, mental health, you know, I felt like the house was inviting for me, you know, and also, like, coming out was a thing, you know? So I was like, let me just stay home. Like, at not home, but at school. And just connect with folks. Because, again, that's what I was trying to connect with, was with people that were like-minded and like me. And then, after graduating, because, again, I started, like, I started going into androgynous stage, I guess you could say, like, feminine clothing, makeup, but yet, shoulder pads. Like, it was just changing. Like, just think of the 80s, I guess. Grace Jones, very that. That's what I was experiencing. Um, and then I got clarity. Yeah, I was going to ask you about clothes, but we can talk about clothes. And see. Uh, I got clarity around my graduating, I think it was 2010. And I was like, I want to, this. I think, you know, I think I'm trans. I really do. I want to be, I was like, I don't know. I think I really want to do this. Um, I'm having so many flashbacks. This is great. Um, because at the time, I remember before starting college, I wanted to be in a ballroom house. 
Um, and this guy that, you know, was starting their house at the time uh, was like, you should Vogue Femme. I was like, what is that? Vogue Femme? You know, Vogue Femme and get up and geesh is what they said at the time. I was like, who is a geesh? It was like, you know, get up and, you know, drags. I was like, drags? I'm going to let me try it. And child, when they were done with me, I looked like the most beautiful thing that ever walked the planet. Then Halloween came, and I was Jennifer Hudson. I was clear. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I was um, for Halloween, child. And no one knew. They couldn't even tell. They was like, you look like a woman. And I was like, you know, honestly, I feel like a woman. This is what I kept saying in my head. But I'm like, the reality is, like, this is what it is, and I can't do anything about it. But meeting... You know, my friend who was trans in college was a possibility for me. So when I think of my life, I think of her because she was that pivotal moment. Like, she was a core of my journey. You know, when I told her that I wanted to be trans, she was like, no, don't do it. I was like, why? She's like, I tell you not to do it because do you see what I go through? And I was so in my excitement of transition didn't even connect and hearing to, it was possible for learning yeah, it was possible for and, the first and time and not even connecting to like when we were coming in that she was misgendered like 10 times like right not even connecting that like when she has to go to school and uh, she gets her grades that they still call her by her birth name actually she repeatedly asked for them to change and went to the dean office not even connecting with that struggle but connecting to like wow there's hope you're actually doing it yeah it was like I was like totally dismissing the red like the red flag and it's like wait no she's like cause she's like do you see what I have to go through like this journey is not easy you're gonna lose a lot of people you know people will not be by your side are you sure you wanna do it she's like listen if you wanna do this do it but I'm telling you just stay as a guy, like, you're going to be all right. But, baby, she said, this ain't for you, I'm sure. And she stormed away. I remember because she was, and I saw, like, the tears in her eyes because I guess because we had a connection, she she was worried more about me. And then the next time, you know, I told someone else and they asked me, they was like, well, when you see yourself get old, how do you see yourself dying? As a woman or as a man? What are you, what comes? And I literally closed my eyes. And I can never forget that vision that I had. It was like a flash. And it was like legit. Like I can taste, like I can feel the wind. And I saw, saw, like I pictured a house. I I saw like the pavement, like the stairs, right? On the left-hand side, I was sitting in a rocking chair with salt and pepper, natural hair going down my back. Like I'm talking about center part, everything. Like it was so vivid. And I don't know who it was, but there was a guy between the screen door just looking and smiling. And out in the fields on the yard were kids. Now, one thing that folks who really know me know that I love kids. Like I said, I want 50 kids just like Josephine Baker. Hopefully I can maintain that's my goal. But I saw kids, um, you know, playing. I remember having this smile over my face of light. I, I don't know. Like, I still remember that feeling. I remember being in a home and I remember that stuff. And I was like... I see myself as a woman. I remember having a dream in a casket old with salt and pepper down my uh, hair. And I remember the, the the gown that I had on was like either a soft pastel pink. As you know, I love pastel pink. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know where it came from, but I seen it. And then at that moment, I connected. I was like, all right, what are you going to do to the next step? So keep in mind, remember, I kept saying like, 
I used You're to sleep still in living the lounge. with your mom's house. Yeah, and right. Uh huh. Uh, so you know, one time my mom would say, "You know, Nala, I haven't seen you in a while. I'm gonna come up and bring you some food." And she said, "You know, I cook your favorite." I was like, "What fried chicken?" She said, "No, curry chicken." I was like, "Well, I love that too." So I was like, "Okay." So she she was coming. She's like, "Me and your grandmother have to go somewhere." So she was with my grandmother. So Elsie was the person that was my friend at the time was like. I want Jamaican food. I love Jamaican food. She's like, can you bring me some Jamaican food? I was like, yeah, ask my mom. So my mom was like, yes, I'll bring your friend some. So my mom came down. I remember it was in the E building. She came down with my grandmother. And keep in mind, all the security guards were uh, Caribbean. So I was, my friend at the time was having bad experiences with the security guards because that's mostly who would be the folks who would misgender. And she would write the dean and stuff to teach them and she was still experiencing that. And these folks would not budge. I'm like, no, you cannot call me that, you know? There were some of them that was really supportive and sweet, so I must say that, but she really she really went through it. But anyway, my mom brought the food. She met, she's like, why are you so pretty? You tall? She's like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, she, you know, we got the food, we went up, and she's like, does your mom know I'm trans? I was like, no, I never told her. That's not my story, you know? That's not my thing to told her, tell her. You know, like, you know, I was like, do you feel comfortable with me? She's like, it's up to you, girl. I'm like, okay. So I told my mom, it's like, you know, hey, you know, by the way, that's my friend Elsie. My mom was telling you, you know, I have a friend who, like, we just chill and stuff like that, you know, that we support each other. She's like, oh, yeah, by the way, she's trans. She's like, trans. I was like, remember those videos that I watch on YouTube of the women, like, kind of lip singing and stuff that were born? She's like, oh, yes, I got that. I was like, well, mom, that's how I feel sometimes. She was like, oh, okay. She was like, well, that's why you haven't been home. And that's why you've been depressed. I'm like, what the fuck, mom? You know that something's going on. You're not saying anything. You just let me figure it out. She was like, yeah, it makes sense. She was like, that's why you've been staying out and not coming home. And she was like, you, you know, she was like, yeah. I was like, I didn't know how to tell you. Because one of the things that are important for me is for you and my grandmother and my aunt to know. Because one of the three important people in my life, although I didn't say this a while ago when you asked, but three people was, you know, my aunt, my mom, and my grandmother, they still are. Those are like the foundation um, of womanhood that I know, that I look up to and carry their values and their ways of living. Um, and I was like, I really want acceptance for all three of y'all. And she's like, listen, um, if that's who you want to be, you know, you only have one life to live. So you have to live it your best life. And then she said, I'm going to support you in telling your grandmother if that's what you would like. And I was like, yes, please. So your grandma was there, but you were only telling your mom. My grandmother was, so my grandmother and my mom was there to drop off the food. Yeah. Then they got back on the train to head home. So I called her to do it over oh, the phone. Gotcha. Oh, no, I would not do another person. No way. I waited till she got all the homes because, you know, my, my mom is the type of mom that she wants to be praised about her food. She's like, do you want to eat the food? You do like it? It tastes good? I'm like, yes. But so my friend got on the phone and she's like, I love the food. The food is so good. Child, we tore that food up because we were hungry. We were also college student and broke and did not eat. So we needed that food. McDonald's was not cutting it. <laughs> so, yeah, I told them she, you know, she she took it well. And then literally that following weekend, I went home. And she was like, it totally makes sense. And we sat down. I was like, okay. So then I asked my friend at the time, like, where doctor do you go to? Lo and behold, it was Colin Lord, <laughs> Community Health Center. <laughs> so then I went there, and then 
I started, you know, Colin Lore was also the first time I got an HIV rapid test, and, you know, uh, that's when I learned about sexual health and, you know, how to remain negative and those kind of things, you know. Um, but in that, I was there for something else. I was there now to transition. Um, and because at the time I was young. Did I, anyone go with you there for your first time no. or you went by yourself? I will say often that I notice in my journey is I've taken a step by myself. Mm. Yeah, just to kind of figure it out. So I've always like, okay, what do I got to do for myself? Uh, so I went there by myself, and I went into the HOT program, which means um, health outreach for um, to teen. Um, and then I met who my best friend is now. Uh, I hope she wouldn't mind me saying her name. Um, but I, oh, I'll try to say well, my best friend now, Miss um, Lyons. I'll just say her last name, Miss Lyons. Um, and she was my counselor. Um, and I didn't know who she was. I didn't know she was trans or whatever case may be, but... She's my counselor, and she was helping me guide me to this, um, to this place. And then I met with my first provider. Now, off the mind, so you know, the girls in the community always know that before you can start hormone therapy, you need to go see a psychiatrist first so they can determine. Child, not me. I didn't do that. I was so the doctor was like, listen, I know I'm trans. Look at me. I know I'm a woman. Like, I'm not doing no psych. I like... <laughs> Talk about advocacy and demand, child. I was like, because I already knew that some of the girls, because one of my good, good girlfriend at the time also, who was like, who was like very known in the community doing work, um, uh, uh, Olympia Sudan, um, you know, we we kind of grew up together a little bit. Um, and she was like, girl, because she was like ready. And I was like, I know I'm ready, but I don't know, but we will be fast. Me do it together, and she was telling me she was like, I, you know, I'm going to the LGBT center. I'm meeting with Christina Herrera. Keep in mind, I didn't know who these people, and now that I know them, I'm like, oh, how everything comes full circle. So she's like, yeah, you gotta meet, little world. yeah, you gotta meet with someone first, and they gotta they talk to you, and you get a referral. I'm like, child, mm-mm. I'm like, this girl is not. So I, I met with Anthony Verasas, the doctor. I was like, listen. I know and I'm clear that this is who I am. I already knew since I was a young child. I just didn't know the name for it. I know who I am. And it was, and the first thing he asked, do you have people to support you? I was like, yeah, my mom is very supportive. And I think hearing that piece was what helped to start. Did you get Did you get a script that day? Sure did. I was not leaving without my script. I was like, I just want to make you clear now that I am trans. I know who I am. There is no turning back. This is how I feel. I don't think I got the script that day, but in my mind, just everything seemed rapid. I think it took yeah. a week. I had to do blood work and stuff. But you but, didn't wait. You didn't wait six months. You didn't wait. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. didn't wait no six months. It was yeah. like, boom. Yeah. And then that's when life really hit. Life really took off when I took that first pill. And keep in mind, the interesting about me is at a young age is that I had this, this deck, like this discernment about myself of saying things to the universe and it happening. I remember taking that first medication that I was clear that I wanted to have my surgery. And I remember at, at the time in 2011, Janet Mott just came out with the video, It Gets Better. And it was because of her. Because keep in mind, I was thinking about transition for a while. It was like a year. I'm like, I know I want to do this. But then my friend is saying that, who's trans at the time, who's in school and experiencing this. And then boom, it's get better. And I watched a video and she was just talking about, you know, 
it gets better. Like, literally, like, you can do this. And I remember seeing that, I'm like, I can. And seeing her in love with this wonderful man named Aaron. Like, I like, oh, I think that's, that's her. That's her. I think that's the name. Too. Yeah, I remember, why, like, looking at the YouTube and the, of them working out on the blog. And I'm like, this is amazing. She's freaking hot and gorgeous. This is possible. And I remember declaring, when I took the first medication, I said, by the age of 25, I want my surgery. I was like, I'm going to have my surgery. So how old were you when you went to Colin Lord for the first time? I was like, I would think I would, I would think the first time that I went was like 19 about to turn 20. 19 about to turn 20. So I was 19. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start. Because, you know, my friend at the time also made it clear. was like, if you're going to transition, you want to start now because puberty is about to start hitting you. And if you want to, like, look cute, like, baby, put them blockers in your system, as they would say, and start the estrogen journey. I was like, all right, okay. I'm like, I could just beat my face all day and I'll be fine. I was like, no. I was like, and she was right. So thank God I started. But I did start at 19, I think 19, 20, going to 20. Yeah. And were you working at the time, too? No, I think it was 20. I don't know, but... Um, maybe I'm mixing up. Mm. At the time, I wasn't working. Um, you were like full time. Oh school. my god! Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yes, I was. So okay. at the time, um, so here the window period, uh, or the time period, I should say. Sorry, um, it was 2010. I applied to work at Banana Republic the Soho flagship store and I got the job because I was getting out of college and I needed to do something for the summer. Um, so 2010 and I And think, you were like, I work at FIT, I'm into fashion, I'm looking and at they was like, and stuff. Yep, yeah, they was like, seal. Because um, I remember 2008, I started college, 2009, so it was my sophomore year, so graduated 17, started college 17, 18, so it was 19 then. So, 19, 2010, you know, 2000, yeah, ending. It was like that August, so about to go into 2010. I, I got to look at the calendar, but neither here or there. But I started working with them. Everything was good, had hours, and then I had to let them know, like, you know, school is about to start, so I need to just work evening shift. So, I started working. What was your What was your job there? Um, at the time, I just started as a sales associate. But then I became a accessory specialist because I love diamonds and blings and stuff. I didn't have diamonds, but I love like just wearing like you know beautiful accessories. So and I knew the 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 product well. So I you know I sold one and I sold twice. It was like oh this is where you should be stationed, and I did. And in that time, keep in mind. I was beating my face. I'm talking about, like, not beating my face, like, hitting it, but for folks who don't know the term, but the community knows, like, child, when I said smoky eye, she had a smoky eye. Like, concealed under my eyes, like, I was doing it. And I was hired, like, with the concealer under my eyes, natural look, not with the eyeshadow. And in a couple of months, and, and transitioning, then that's when the eyeshadow and stuff started coming in. Um, so do you applied with your with your birth name? Like when you applied for that uh-huh. job, because I wasn't even thinking of. I mean, the thought of transness was um, there, but it was like oh, I'm just a feminine guy, and that's fine. That's what was there. More so, I was connecting to, and I started journeying into the fat. Like became more feminine. I started like stepping into how I really felt. Because I'm like I was getting older. I'm like you know what? 
I'm fuck that. I'm trying to please people for what? Why am I trying to please people? Like they're not doing it. Like they're not trying to please you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I went back to school for my second year because how they work, you graduate with your associate, and then you get to decide if you want to go into your bachelor's or not. So I decided to go into the bachelor's program. But in the summer, I had to figure out what I was going to do. So, started working. um, Continued working, I should say. And then started college. Again, for my bachelor's program, knitwear was my concentration. Um, And then, the hours, I was only working mostly night shift and weekend shift, which was great. Um, And then, started transitioning. And then once I graduated 2012, because this is like probably about a year of my transition, my hours started cutting. Like, like I'm talking And did about, you have like the same manager the whole time or did that always change? It shifted change? a couple of times. Because it's like over like a year. Yeah, the turnover was like crazy, please. Yeah. Like crazy. One thing that didn't change was HR that I barely saw. Well, sorry, throwing shade, but yeah, whatever. Um, no, so this is like how the real yeah. So I was working in 2012, and then after that, from 2012, I was going into 2000 and around 2012. I noticed a shift once I graduated FIT because at that time I was like, I need to find a fashion design job. Mm-hmm. I was talented, and you were keeping that. You kept that job, but your hours were getting cut. My hours were getting cut. So my hours got cut back because I requested it. But in the summer, I wanted more hours. And it was like, nope, we don't got hours. We don't got hours. And that, and I'm like, why you don't have hours? There's like, well, we don't just got hours. We're not making our goals. But then like five new employees were hired. I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay. So I'm like, all right, let me try to find another job. Didn't happen. So then... And then and I is know, this the time that is this the around the time that, transitioning. that we, yeah and is this a, this is around the time that you call I you call met rap, rap? I, I met rap around uh, which is a retail action program I met rap around 2000 and end of 2012 uh, 13 and I remember this is the same year Islam Nettles passed away so like all of that I resonate with um, but yeah 2012 and how did you learn about the retail right. action project. Well, I learned yeah. from a coworker that was there um, that was already going through um, rap, and they would have to, like secretly was like, yeah, come to this place, they help you, because um, at the time I, my hours were cut so severely that I only was making t- seventy two dollars every two week, like it was so bad. Like, They're just giving you like four hour shifts. Like... Yeah, four hour shifts, basically a metric card. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I still told them like you can't keep doing this, and they still did it. And if you didn't show, you got written up. I'm like, I don't want that on my, on my, my, my record. Like, I don't want that writing you up. So, um, I went. I met with Sasha from Rap. And were they calling you Nala work? Or oh, like... child, no. Oh, so the good thing about retail because it's such a high turnover, you get new staff. So there were some people who. Would Simply refused to call me by my name. Uh, and you asked them, you were like, hey, yeah, no. Yeah. And then, but one thing I will say is that they was like, nope, you will. Like, there were people in management who were like, nope, you will not disrespect. You will call this. If you don't, like, I will say there were people in management that did that. 
once that manager But then left. because, like, you stuck around and everybody else, like... Uh, everyone left, and I was know. still there because at the time, it was like, I was in school, so, like, every semester I would come after school, like, for the summer and ready to work, or after the semester was over the break, ready to work and, hours. And, like, you knew the line, you knew the... Pro- like, you'd been there. There was new workers. You knew the store. So I was happy because as I transitioned, I started blossoming, and then, boy, when I tell you I was gorgeous, so like, was like, I, when I say I just gorgeous looking, what? Looking good. So there were like sometimes worker guys primarily who would try to hit on me and I'm like, no, try to turn them down. And then the old workers, like, just so you know, this person is A, B, and C, like trying to spill tea as we call. I'm like, ugh, why would you like, I was turning them down anyway, I wasn't interested. But because of that, it created a hostile environment. Like this guy started going around saying, you know, Nala's attracted to me, but too bad she's the man kind of bullshit kind of conversation, which was so like, no, that wasn't it. So it got out of hand to the point I had to tell the manager. Um, and it seemed like they were just trying to push it under the table, like, cautious. They just it up. didn't want to deal with it, didn't know how, didn't want to. Right. Like, so it was like, well, we can try to do this, like, make sure that y'all don't work together on the same shift. It's like, what? What? Okay. But neither here there, my hours started cut the more, like, I was trying to speak up about stuff, about hours, about, like, experience of demonstration, discrimination, in terms of, like, the misgendering, you know, just folks talking about me, like, around, like, my gender, my transness, and, like, laughing. It just became, like, a not-so-great environment. Then how about, like, if when you were hired there, it's like, you have, like, really specific rules about, like, what clothes that you wear when you're working at a retail oh store. Oh, my God, so yeah, they like, would even huh? say that. They was like, oh, once was <laughs> my manager, interesting how things come for full back story, because now this person tried to talk to me. Hilarious, right? <laughs> was like, uh, you can't wear this on the floor. I'm like, what do you mean? I already told them I was trans, so I won't be taking this off. I was very feisty, Kirby and him. I was like, no, I'm not taking this off. Like, this is what... I told him I'm trans. You will call me this. And he, and he and was And you were like, wearing, like, banana clothes. like Banana clothes style decked. I was looking hot in my pumps, okay? And there was, like... The person was like, oh, let me see about that. Let me go back. Like, I really don't have no problem. I don't, I'm trying to create problems, but let me see. And literally, he was like, oh, okay. But I'm like, no. I will be keeping this on. It's not revealing... It's like a, a a pants with a button down, a blazer and heel, and some some diamonds on my neck. I call them diamonds, but again, people, that's not diamond. It was like some cheap costume. <laughs> but it looked good. It felt wonderful. Yeah, that was that was, was looking good. I had my little bang in my hair, like yeah. But I noticed that just to, just to so they add, tried to be like this is like you're not dress code and you're like actually I am you're just like saying yeah I'm not in dress you're, code you're pissed that I'm trans uh huh then it was like then it was like oh you got a nose ring it became like you can't even see my nose ring so it became that like they were trying to pick pick things then it was like oh let's write you up because you didn't help this customer or now let's write you up because you've been late it was like all these things and like. Here I am in my transits trying to navigate life and like trying to come to work and trying to figure out how I'm going to get, get to work. Paid. To get paid. How to get to work on time. How to get to work on safe. You know, because like at the time when I transitioned in Bushwick, I'm going to go back to Bushwick. Do you like change clothes? Like No, I, what change clothes? I wasn't doing that. That's too much work. Like pe- my mom was Caribbean. She's like, if people don't like it, that's their business. Feed them business, she would say. So I would just like, all right, mom, if my mom was okay, 
like that gave me the courage to leave my house but when I left the house reality hit was like I need to navigate safely like I would you would have like a socks with coins and Vienna can sausage in it just in case I had to pull it out to fight like that's how like legit safety was for me at the time I remember in my neighborhood there was a guy who got went to jail when I was younger when he came back recognized me because I had transition like now I'm blossoming like everything is looking great and will follow me to the train station and like will call me over and it was like one asked for fellatio and I'm like no and like literally would grab me and I had to tell my brother at the time and he was like anything that time that happens come to me and I kept telling him like no shit like this guy because I didn't want also want my family to fight but just think about that going to work so I had to experience that before I got to work to be able to shift to then deal with like, the hi, mid-gender. can I help you with your, like... Hi, how can I help you with your rich, white... <laughs> like, a self was about to buy this bunch of clothes and asked me to get Some... 10 pair of shoes that you might not buy. Uh, you know, like, it was just amazing. Like, shift everything I experienced and then experience also more transphobic, yeah, in my job. And how people would question my transition. I'm like, oh... Oh, your boobs are growing. Like, it became like I was a spectacle for them. Like, they would name, oh, your butt is getting big. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Give me some of those pills. I need some. Like, especially the girls, the cis girls. Like, you know, your butt's growing. Here. And at the time, I'm like, didn't know how to address how uncomfortable I felt with them saying it. Because I didn't know why it was You're like, you can go get those pills real easy. Have fun. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know how to, I didn't have the language to explain, like, how uncomfortable I was about. To, like, have them talk about your body. Yes. My body was a, such a vulnerable state, you know, because I was in that cups of when people would see me, that's a man trying to, you know, like just trying to pick. I became more vulnerable. I became a target, you know. Um, it was one thing of being a feminine guy, but now, like, knobs and boobs was coming. I'm walking the street. Now I'm over fragilized because, like, folks are looking at me like, oh, I want you to do this. I know who you are. Kind of. It was just horrible. Horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, and then to go to work to only be in a space that wasn't affirming and stuff like that. And then I remember 2013. Um, and w- and w- can you tell me a little bit about when you went, met Sasha and went to Iraq for the first time? And yeah. any of the, like, organizing work or speech or anything that you remember from, like, being empowered to, like, change things at work or speak up or anything that you remember from those days? Yeah, I, I will say one of the things that I did learn from rap was like how to organize, how to become unionized. I think that was one of the things that was a great piece. I didn't even know that existed. I didn't even know I can speak up. I didn't even know that I can get like short-term disability, not short-term, dis- um, short-term employment, like because they were cutting my shift. Oh, short-term unemployment. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wait, that's a thing? So imagine me trying to live off of $72 like to eat. Can you imagine? I remember trying to like fried scraps scraps just to eat. I was so hungry, but I knew it was important to go to work, you know? And did you end up filing for that and getting... I, I actually did end up filing, but the case just took so long because at the time, I will say this, I didn't know that, you know, I had a story. I didn't know that I was being discriminated. I didn't know what that looked like. You were like, this is just how the People, world is. It's yes. just hard. Like I thought that just how the freaking world was and lo and behold that there were kind of laws to help support that but people around my job just kept it quiet they weren't trying to tell me anything you know they weren't trying to tell me anything mm-hmm. none of that so mm-hmm. that's what I remember and then you started speaking out I know that 
you know, you and I talked a little bit about yeah. our experiences in retail and also in, in with speaking out, but you ended up speaking up and out, and how did you end up leaving Banana? Oh, yeah, so I asked because, again, there was a um, situation where he threatened to punch me, the guy was like... The co-worker? Yeah, he, because I was trans. Or uh, just like some... It was just like it was just getting uncomfortable being around him. Um, so I actually be transferred to another store because my school was next to FIT and I would always go into it and it was always welcome. So I went there. I actually be transferred. They kept giving me pushback. I actually be transferred. Kept giving me pushback. And finally, they let me be transferred. Once I was transferred, same bullshit. It was like I would get hours, but it wasn't enough. The at the time, I was like, you know what, enough of that. And at the time, Ace Line Levels had passed away around in August. Um, and then I remember reaching out to Janet Mock. And I was like, hey, I know you don't know me. <laughs> but, you know, I'm very inspired by you. Um, and this, you know, something that's bothering me. I don't know, you know. I don't know, like, if you know, but, you know, I'm very inspired. So if it's anything that I can do to support. And then she, at the time, was, like, connected me with some other folks. And I introduced myself to her. And we started a meeting. Um, And a meeting became into this thing called Trans Women of Color Collective. Uh, And lo and behold, I didn't know I became a, a founder of something that is now about to be national, you know. Um, well, now I'm a co-founder, ex, a former co-founder, I should say. Well, you always co-founded it. You yeah, I say that forever. You can say that. <laughs> they can't take that away from you. It's but it's all love, all love. But um, yeah. Uh, what was the question again? Or just how are you relieving banana? But it was like you were learning about like the what all these different kinds of ways of organizing. My connection. Um, and I connect to Islam Nettles' story because, and there was time that we would go to the group, um, at Colin Law that they would have to talk about because it was a trans supportive group, so I, we could vent about uh, our transness. I want to tell you how gorgeous this girl was. I, I mean, like, I mean, all trans people, amazing. Uh, I mean, unique. You know, seeing her, there was such a light that was of her face, gorgeous, quiet, yet yet making a statement at the same time. Um, and she apparently went to fashion industry, the high school also, so fashion was a part of her, you know, her journey. So I connected with them when I hear the the death of her because we were the same age, and, and I easily thought, that could have been me. That could have been me. So it, you know, at the time of her death and then dealing with this stuff at Banana Public, I was like, ah, shit, I need to be doing something more. This, you know, I know I just got out of school of fashion design, and at the time I didn't even think I was enough to apply for the fashion industry because I was transitioning. You know, my first experience with interning for fashion design was like racism. Like, the, this woman actually walk her dog. I'm like, bitch, are you crazy? You want me to walk your dog? I'm doing an internship in and the you fa- want, yeah, and I just fashion, got a degree. I just got a degree. And you want me to walk your dog? Like, no, 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 no. It's like not, not tolerating it. Yeah, you know, not. So that experience made me not want to step into that career. And I was like, if I step into it, I want to step into it for myself. You know. 
Um, yeah. So, at the time, I was like, you know what? Let me just connect with the girls in the space um, to, like, really tell them what was showing up for me and how I wasn't making money and stuff. And when like, the, figure out a way through it and how to... One of the girls said, well, I'm working in a research center. I was like, does, she was like, do you know anything about, you know, HIV stuff? And I was like, no, no. And at the time, also, 2013, I had made a decision to go to hair school. Like, you know, I'm going to start hair school because I think, you know, I need something to help me get money that I like to do, love to do. My fashion design for right now wasn't it. And my concept was like, if I go to makeup and hair school, put more money into school, I can learn so I can do people here. And then makeup. you can like work for yourself a little bit more than in the fashion industry. You can't as much work. Right. Work for yourself. I can't. Right. I can work for myself by doing hair and makeup and save up money to buy fabric to sew. That was my concept. Child cheese. Um... So then, one of the girls like, well, at my place where I'm working at a research study, they need trans women to help with a study. You know, it's a part-time gig. I can put in a word for you. And she did. So I was doing two part-time jobs. So Banana Public and that. Keep in mind, Banana Public was not giving me hours. So it was like barely like nothing. So thank God I had this other part-time job. And then, you know, with Reach Out Action Project, it was right around the corner from the second job. So I would just run over to kind of, like, meet with Sasha at the time to, like, kind of have conversations about what was going on. Um, And then we started thinking about action steps, what we were going to do, how we were going to, you know, bring their attention. So then we rallied up, finally, um, I think around 2014, and we went to one of the Gap, because, you know, Banana Public is a sister company of Gap. And, you know, we rallied and we, you know, let them know that what they shouldn't do. Because I realized that my story was connected to other stories that were trans and other stories of workers that were getting their shift cuts and hours and being, you know, discriminated against. And, you know, I realized it wasn't just me. And seeing people behind me rallying made it feel even more better. And, you know, I was so, you know we had lists of stuff that we read off and it hit in the paper. I was like, my God, look at me being my a- a- advocate. Not even realizing there was something I can do. I was so fearful of worrying about what other people thought about me and here am I making a footstep for myself in life. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's powerful, though, right? When you, yeah. like, show up to this place that has so much control over your life, and you're mm-hmm. like, excuse me, there are many of us, and, like, we're not. I was so fearful of what people thought about me. So fearful. So fearful about what people thought about me. Um, and wanted to be liked. I don't know what that condition is, but I wanted to be liked. And I think it's because I was joining Compassion. Because in in my transness, I didn't. Everyone was shunning me. People on the streets were shunning me. I was hearing names, so I was looking for someone to like. Until I met, you know, T. Walker, and I saw other trans women in their greatness. And Laverne Cox was at that first meeting. I was like, oh, Laverne Cox, she's so pretty. Literally had a stardom uh, (laughs) moment. Was like. Literally, but it was felt good to be a part uh, of the space. They created space for me. Uh, they created a space to have conversation, to be, you know, to felt uplifted and things of that nature. Now, of course, we all, as trans women, and I've learned, are on different pages. Um, 
so, you know, folks went in different paths and folks went into greater things and greatness. Uh, and then folks said, you know what, there's still work to be done. And then that's where we are now. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that work or do you want to talk a little bit about like the self-care kind of stuff that you've brought up? Yeah. So or your or fa- like where you are with fashion right now, we could talk about any of those things. Oh my goodness! So I so I do so much great things. So now I will say, in terms of you know being at um, with, with Tiwa, uh, at the time multiple things showing up. So we were doing work. We were going to Buffalo. We were doing presentation. A lot of the great things were showing up. But also, I wanted to do some inner self. Because I knew, although I was transitioning, there was something that still I needed to do to work on myself, you know. And, you know, at Islan Nettles um, Visual in Harlem, I, you know, met with the pastor who spoke. And I started going to the church and stuff. And then I met with this awesome, uh, awesome, awesome, which is my best friend, uh, Eunice Coleman, who is a reverend and trans. Um, told me about this workshop, Momentum Education, and I, you know, I took the course, and literally, I was able to look inward and step into my I know that I matter and my what next, and you know, at that time, I was like, you know, I love T Walk, but is it what I really want to do, and and in the way that is aligned with my values at the time, um, because I have different values and different ways of how to connect with people, and I thought that. Um, I, you know, at the time I felt like I was on different wavelengths, so I need to focus more inward, um, and still be supportive of their work and, um, but focus on me. Uh, and that's what I did, uh, to build, like figure out my career and my artistry and all that other stuff. Uh, yes. So I started, you know, at the time, multiple things happened now. I was working at a research center and then apply for a job guess where people <laughs> as you may know Colin Lord <laughs> uh, to be a, you know a front desk worker and when I told my job I was leaving they were like no you can't leave we want we'll give you full time now the working, research job yeah. yeah so I started working full time and then the other job was like Colin Lord was like nope we got another job that pays more here you go they're like, wait, people are fighting over me all of a sudden. I'm just like, and here, and here was a exactly, and that's why I named that because there was a point where I didn't feel wanted. Cutting my shift, I connected with not feeling wanted, not feeling needed. And here, I'm well, you're like, just like disposable or like yes. replaceable. You're like, we got ten new people, and now I'm at a trans that can come sell yep. these sunglasses. Uh huh. And now I got some, you know, a place where, like we need to. Mm-hmm. Um. And I didn't even realize my greatness until Memento. So everything was coming full circle, right? Everything was coming full circle. And at the time, I'm like, oh, I'm getting close to 25 now. I already declared my surgery. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when is it going to happen? Why is it not happening? Um, I'm like, oh, I don't want to leave this job because I was so connected to the the insurance at my research. I'm like, oh, we got great insurance. I can get my my surgery. And did I don't they have to cover? Did they cover any trans care stuff? On the- I mean, yeah, because one of the trans women on there was fighting like hell, and she made it happen. So I always thank her because uh, she was like not she was not a force to be reckoned with, and she was doing the work in the field. 
Idaham, I'm just going to shout you out now. Love you, girl. <laughs> but yes, you know, she made it, you know, she made it possible, you know, by, you know, speaking up on things that she needed. She knew what advocacy looked like. And because of her ways of being and saying yes to herself, she said yes to the community because it allowed me to say, I need that service too. And, you know, that she was very supportive on helping me apply for surgery and things like that, which was great. See, sisterhood is so important. There's nothing like it, I tell you. And then I'm like, shit, I don't want to leave this job because I need this insurance. Like, that was the reality. So you got it covered and got to stay like the reality, job and surgery. No, the reality was like, I needed a new job because it wasn't aligned with my values. Mm-hmm. So here I'm at a crossroads. It's like, I'm needed at another place. Um, my creativeness is calling me, but I also need change. And this job and this research center is not in aligned to what I valued, nor is it what I'm ready to do right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my my ways of being and my what next is at this place. But if I leave, I was so in scarcity of my like how and, and it wasn't just scarcity, it was like the reality is like I need to be affirmed. Like I need my surgery. <laughs> like that's what would make me feel like I when I if I were to pass out on the street, because that was my fear. Like if I was ever to fast up on my street and in my trend just just be completely you know, like passed out, knocked out, and the ambulance came and got me. And they looked under my skirt and would deny me support and service. That was my fear. I don't know why. I would think in the summers, like, girl, you better drink all that damn water so you don't ever have to pass out. Like, because, like, literally, the, the train reminded me when the train was stopped, like, someone has passed out or someone is sick. I'm like, that, don't want that to be me. Because I would be fear of not being treated just because I already seen it. From workers, co-workers. So could you imagine if the ambulance came like, oh, this girl is pretty. She's gorgeous. Let's help her. And then the minute that I'll change, they're like, Mr. So-and-so and so-and-so. Like the surgery was urgent. The surgery was my my connecting to feeling free. Not feeling binded, like literally or figuratively. Like I wanted to be free. So um I went to Colin Lord and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to trust God. Because one of the things that is very important to me, like above everything of myself, is the God of my understanding. Um, and it's the God of my understanding is a, is a very loving God. So I was like, you know, I'm going to trust God. And God is telling me to move right now. Um, so I need to trust. I need to trust. And I did it. And I'm like, shit. My surgery's already scheduled. I'm not even sure if this, is gonna, this insurance is going to cover it. So I, you know, worked with HR. We worked it out, swapped over my insurance with them, and they were like, "It's gonna happen." Now, keep in mind, my surgery was scheduled to happen in two thousand and sixteen, or whatever the case may be. I'm like, "Well, damn, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be older than what I said I wanted to be, or whatever." And literally, the day after my birthday, the day before my birthday of exiting out of twenty five, I got the call that I was gonna have my surgery. Like, look at declarations. <laughs> yeah. So I say it's always interesting, like just saying and speaking to what you want to the universe, and like you know praying over it. But I also fasted, you know. Uh, you know, some folks don't, you know, believe spiritually, but I literally let go of things. So fasting for me looked differently. It was changing my way of eating, eating healthier, letting go of sugar, letting go of meat. Just literally eating like greens, fruits, grains, 
and like praying to the God of my understanding and, and really being connected to what was showing up for me, what was needed and required of me at that time. So when I loved T-Walk, all of that was going through my mind. It was like, I need to be grounded in my my meanness, my nowness, so I can step into my greatness and be able to be in service, not just for myself, but for others. And being in service for others is understanding that self-care comes first. Um, so I said, you know what? Fasting time. And I, I kid you not, I swear, I, I believe fasting really called that surgery earlier. Now keep in mind, the surgery that they said, my birthday's November 1st, surgery happened December 1st never forget that day so it was like a rebirth one month over so it's like what a perfect time um and how I knew Colin Lord where I'm working now was just great because at the time I'm like to be transparent I was like once I get my surgery I'm fucking out of here like <laughs> because it was like I had enough of just community organization period I'm like What's lacking is trans spaces. No matter what organization, it just felt like no one was getting at the time. Like trans girls are being murdered, and y'all talking about whether or not to hire somebody who's qualified. Them qualifications not even needed. So that's that's a thing. Whatever. But we're we're learning and we're working on it. Um, as an organization, I'm seeing that we're working towards better, um, in general. But. One month later, I had my surgery, and, you know, my mom couldn't come with me. I was by myself, and that's a surgery that you do not want to go by yourself. Let's just be clear. But, I, again, the reason why I said earlier about I was doing this journey by myself, because when I started, I started by myself. And when I got to the graduation st- stage of feeling free and complete, it was by myself, and it was so needed. So that fasting and everything was... You know, going inward. going inward for a reason, and it gave me strength to push through. Like my doctor did my surgery. Shout out to Marcy Bowers. <laughs> you know, like. Do so you went to Colorado? Ah, uh, yeah, I went to San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, Colorado. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. And it like just was like, it was the most emotional yet right on time now moment and I cried (laughs) I cried when you know post-surgery when I was able to just see myself naked and not have any discord in it like I was so connected with my body at that time I was like yes this is this is me I cried so much that the whole room cried. <laughs> like, I was clear because there was a student who was there, like, shadowing her um, from Boston. And the first thing was, like, I have a vagina. And I cried. <laughs> like, it was just... And I was crying. And it was, like, tears of joy. And she started crying, too. Because she, she connected with what that meant for me. Um... And the nurse connected with what this meant for me. Because it was like... It, and it wasn't just a genital moment. It was like, literally, it felt like chains was on me. And, you know, like, and it was broken. It was a magical moment for me. Um, and now I, I am able to move with comfort. Um, like, you know, I don't have to look back. You know, like, I can just keep moving. Like, life... Like, freedom and being able to step into my, like, nowness in this complete body is amazing. You know? Yeah, so. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I was going to, like, so ask you about, like, a time where you felt seen, you know? And it's, oh, it's, like, the, oh, the time? You were seeing yourself. Like. Oh, my God. The time I felt seen was definitely when I looked down at, at I call her shishi. When I looked at my shishi, <laughs> I was like, I feel affirmed in this moment. Like, and... Like, before surgery, I was always a nudist, but, like, I would have to, like, you know, you know, I don't want to talk, you know, I would have to do stuff to make, like, I just love, I never liked clothes in the house, but now. In the summer, too? It's like, child cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now, in the summer, and having, my, like, and walking in the house butt-ass naked with roommates, I was like, girl, this girl love being naked to the point that, like, yeah, it's just, it's. It's Nala. What are you going to do? <laughs> like, poor girls. Like, that's Nala. Like, it's just amazing for me, you know? And, and, and in that, and what I, what I say in serving myself, I'm able to do the work because I'm in my consciousness and my graduation, right? Because I feel like each stage is a graduation, like a celebrating moment of uh, my truth. I'm able to understand that not everyone is granted that moment. So I work extra hard in creating that moment for someone who resonates and wants that journey. Because understand that all trans folks want that. You know, not all trans want the surgery. That doesn't make them less of a trans person or a trans woman or however they identify, right? Because we connect with our bodies in different ways. We are microscosm of the world, right? So we can show up however we decide. And that's important for us to understand as people. And I knew that my journey was connected to another sister journey who might want that. And I understand that her barriers look different, right? Her her path is different. You know, I had the opportunity to go to college. Some trans people didn't have the opportunity because they were pushed out of school. So I understand while I was working and advocating was to create spaces for other people to step into, you know, having resources, having insurance. So that's what I'm constantly fighting with now with my team is making sure that you know, bills and laws and insurance. It's like fighting this tedium to make sure people can like see themselves. Have their have their right. Have a right. You know, it's such uh, a big disconnect, right? When when I had my surgery, you know, one of the things that a coworker was like, I really need the surgery because you know of what, and they literally just stopped me. It was like because it's your birthright. I didn't even grant myself the permission to understand that it was my birthright to have my surgery. Until someone said it. And I was like, wow. I'm fighting for my birthright. That's what I want. You know, just like if any, any anything would happen at in, in, at birth. Through a cert, like we would be having a surgery to rectify it, right? So when someone told me, like, it's your birthright. It was like, oh, yeah. I get it. I'm fighting for my birthright. I, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to make you cry. That was <laughs> my intention. It's okay. It's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, I know that is important for me to fight for other folks' birthright. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's important. It's, it's for, I was just thinking about the struggle I had deciding whether or not to have surgery and just I hadn't ever thought about it that way until you just said that so. yeah I had it I, I think my coworker gains for like you know I would never I always name people especially when they drop like important moments and you know some folks I don't name for privacy reason but folks were like in the community doing that you know doing this beautiful work yeah uh, 
he said, you know, I was, I was so happy. I'm like, you know, I really want my surgery. It's coming. I think it's coming. It's a year from now, but I want it now. And I'm like, I'm scared of my insurance. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I want to get coverage. You know, like this is surgery means a lot to me. I'm like, it's like words cannot express it, but it means a lot. And he, and literally he said, because it's your birthright. And it just, It was the affirmation that I needed to continue to keep going to do. Because sometimes you feel guilty of, like, requesting support. On You're like, why am I feeling guilty about requesting what I know I need for myself to be in this world comfortably? And, and, and not just surviving, but being. So I can be like, I'm a bomb-ass bitch. Like, <laughs> like, that's how I feel. Like, I'm just like, this is what I want to be. Not just because it's an image. Not because of anything. Because as... He said it's my birthright. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was one of the moments of of, of my life that I'm like oh, I would never forget. That's some some wise mm-hmm. some wise shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm talking about all of these people that have been so instrumental in you know getting you to like see and feel and accept all this stuff, and I. I guess I just wanted to ask if what kind of what what does community mean to you? Like how do you how do you think about that? Community means to me when I thought about that I had a flash of my mom who like I would do cuz one of the things that I said I was committed to was creating space for other trans folks to have a home experience. So like every once a month I would have big dinners at my home for my T-Wop or T-Wop sisters to come over and us to just talk, have girl talks, like, like what you see on the TV, like, what space you gonna find that? And my mom will cook a Jamaican feast, and... And you go to your mom's house? Like, because at the time I was living, we had a Mm -hmm. home, um, and I would invite all the girls over and buy some Moscato, and we would eat some Caribbean food and just talk. And, and laugh and talk. So when I think about community, I think about um, how I actively um, choose to show up in spaces, right? Making sure that I'm actually listening to community um, because in this work it's important to listen and understand that there's a voice of reason and there's a voice of need and that that voice looks differently from everyone. So it's how do I show to make sure that these voices, you know, are at the center of the table are actually being heard, right? I'm not speaking for them, but they're speaking for themselves. And if they're not there, I'm like, well, this person needs to be heard. Or remember when so-and-so and so said, not taking credit for their story or the narrative, but so-and-so said this because this is what they experienced. But also outside of community work, creating a place for them to be a human and connecting like as families and chit-chatting and laughing and, you know, snapping off the broth. We need to let like things breathe, you know. So community for me looks like um, siblinghood. It's not just about work. It's about siblinghood. Yeah. It's like I'm not just going to check up on you. When I hear someone dies, it's like constantly checking up on you and saying, how are you? I see you. Let's get a bite of lunch. Did you eat this week? Yeah, how's money things going, you know? It's making sure that once I know this person is in my my space, that I'm not forgetting them and that I'm not forgotten, right? Because, you know, isolation can show up as a bitch, especially when, like, 
society and number 45 is talking like I don't want to come out my house once president 45 start talking like life sucks but it's in that to say wait a minute well like as a black person you know black people have been pushing through so I gotta remember like you know being trans and black and all my intersectionality is not gonna stop me from being um, and it's connecting with folks that are impacted by this um, yeah. yeah so community is like loving up on one another and learning from one each other one another you know and and giving space when needed because that's important too right it looks so many different ways but the important thing that I've learned about community is connection and compassion and love and especially justice because we need justice in many different ways mm-hmm. okay justice to one another mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so true yeah there any there have so much so much <laughs> wisdom inside of you and I know that there's so much more that we could talk about oh um what yes. you know what's next what about your art and what about yes what's like, relationships and what about um you know your parents now and you mentioned no. mm-hmm. so but I also know that we don't have you know I don't know how much time you have but if there's anything that you want to talk about mm-hmm. that I haven't brought up or if there's any of those things that you... So I'll say a brief of now. Um, now in my... Because at the end of the day, it's even being trans, I'm still a, a human. I'm breathing and I understand that connection is something I want. So I, I step into ways of being and create connection to those who want connection so just my mom and I we can we talk and connect and you know just recently she bumped into my father's cousin and you know my father's cousin was like uh how's your son and she was like nope my daughter like literally like come on mom yes come on and correct someone today um and you know and my cousin from my father's side was able to receive it and now, now I'm connecting with her. One of the fears I, I had of, of, of leaving this earth was not knowing who I was in my foundation, even though I was creating a foundation. Was not not knowing a part of me, the, all the parts. So, you know, I've been talking with my cousin and I've been learning so much things about my father's side that I needed, you know? So that's where I am now, is connecting with family. In terms of art and create, creativity, creativity you know I'm still doing makeup and hair which is good because now I have access to a community who knows my work from momentum and like a wedding I went to South Africa you know to to go to a wedding that I did her makeup for her pre-photo shoot like you know and now like I met a guy in South Africa who like I'm talking to and um knows I'm trans and and in that it's just so tentative to me Am I fearful of jumping into love? Hell yes. Which is why I'm like, I don't want a relationship this long distance. Let's just... But I'm willing and open to get to know someone, you know? And I think that's, you know... I'm letting love flow through me and, and being responsible also. and connecting to what the things I do like and don't like. Um, it's my now creativity. What I'm going to do more of is dancing and expressing... Uh, and my one of the things I used to do again was dance, so I've missed dancing. So I find myself circling back to my foundation post transition, because mm-hmm. when I transitioned, I stopped because I connected everything to my post trans, my pre transition, right to the gender. So I stopped because I felt like I couldn't continue to do that because one, it's like 
how I'm going to dance and have, you know, and be secure with not, you know, things slipping out or, you know, or just feeling like I'm in the proper body, you know, that was things. And I stopped fashion design because, well, I had a racist, uh, you know, internship, you know, um, or just like feeling like fashion world wasn't affirmative trans folks, you know. Like, I feel like now trans folks are having a visible platform. Like, let's be real. Like, we didn't even have laws and policy to even affirm us. So they even say that we exist. And then you got President 45 trying to erase a census. So, like, <laughs> like these things are so impactful. And, like, we're now having intentional conversations about who we are as people, right? So now it's about creating resources and spaces for that. So... I'm, while I'm doing that, you know, advocating and, and talking about policies, I'm trying to create the spaces for myself and taking ownership of it mm-hmm. and saying, I get to do this, I get to have this because I matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a really good plan. Yeah. <laughs> I like your plan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is like the most honest and I, I've been interviewed now, but this has been the most exciting interview I've ever had where I've just been able to talk <laughs> about my history. And I haven't even touched on all of it. So this is like, this is great that this is happening. So I'm excited. Oh, well, what we if, could do a part two or we could do a follow up. Like we could do, we could like, like 10 years, five years. We could do a five right? year. Like listen, if you want to, we could do five years. I should put it in my calendar and <laughs> I'll call you. Anniversary. <laughs> One of the things that I'm really excited for, which I have to shout out, is that um, I did an interview with PBS for this show called First Person. And I'm only saying it because PBS is one of those respectable channels. And I remember watching that as a kid. Who would have thought they would have a web series that is LGBT? Focused? And do you remember watching In the Life? Back yes! In the- yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, yeah. And then like we just had a premiere recently. Uh, and I was there looking at some of the films, and somebody from the Department of Health was like, this is going to be a tool for us to create lessons and guidelines for Department of Health for pre-K and up. And I busted out in tears, and I tell you that because I cried because I, I said, oh, I'm getting chills now, just think about it. What a joy it would have been to have some type of information about who I am, not of what people told me. Because everything, although they always say parents don't have a guidebook uh, to be parents, but the foundation that we operate is binary, which is like clearly have been made up, you know? Mm-hmm. When people talk about, well, trans this and trans people are this, and how do you transition? I'm like, well, God is a God of transitions. He gave us winter, summers, <laughs> you know fall and spring the you haven't complained about that right change, and, and, right like let's be like everything in this world is a it's it's a transformation but to know that there's something now that is going to exist to give kids a tool that there might be one kid that connect with that's me there might be another kid that say oh that might be my sister or now my brother or hey i can support someone it is the interruption of the bullying I experienced in school. It's the interruption of feeling siloed or isolated and other than, right? So to know that this is now going to exist and to know that I'm a part of this, I'm like, what? 
Shut up. Tell us the name of it so people could oh, find it and watch. Yeah, it's called First Person. Um, and it's First Person LGBTQ and it's a plus. And it's going to be a web series starting in June 11, 2017. It's going to be different LGBT folks, folks of color in it, talking about their journey and expressing themselves through their journey. Well, they're lucky they got you. Ah, thanks, Dickie. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. It's so great. Well, on that note, let's wrap this one up. To be continued in five years. To be continued in five years. <laughs> uh, the trans oral history. <laughs> awesome.